You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Thanks for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. Joining me today is Dave Kranzler of Investment Research Dynamics. He is also the editor of the Mining Stock Journal. Dave's a fan favorite of the show as he shares and talks through some of his recent picks and why he's invested in them, which provides a great lead source for you for if you're looking for new mining stock investing opportunities. So, so Dave, welcome back onto the show. And I think we should let our guests that are watching us on YouTube know that we did not color code the lime shirts together before we did this a podcast, did we? <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the show. And uh, you know, what's, what's your view on the, the big picture view of what's going on economically before we delve into the uh, junior mining stock sector? Oh, hey, Bill. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on again. It's always a pleasure. And, um, I, you know, one thing I like about your audience is I know, especially just because, you know, they, they listen to your shows all the time. They're, they're way more educated about junior mining stocks and the mining industry in general than, than you know, the larger retail audience. So um, it's, it's always fun to know I'm speaking to, a, a, you know, an audience that's further up the curve than most people. So, um, yeah, you know, it was funny because I went back and I, I looked at the last podcast we did, which was I think we recorded it like maybe the first or second week of March. And um, I had suggested that the, the sector was getting ready for, for a move higher. And um, I actually had done these numbers for my mining stock journal yesterday, um, the new issue. And since mid-March, gold's up 12.7%. Silver's up 15.3%. And it may not feel like it because they're so volatile. But if you look at the chart, you'll see. I mean, I looked at the chart, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. I was like, whoa, I didn't realize we were up this much since March. Um, and uh, GDX is up since the beginning of March. GDX is up 30%, you know, and that's versus 7.9% for the S&P 500, you know. And most people are probably not aware of that because, you know, we hear so much about, you know, the, the manipulation of the metals and the intervention, blah, blah, blah. And we hear so much about tech stocks and Tesla and ARK investment. And, you know, that's one of the things I like about the precious metal sector, although there's a much wider investor audience now than there was 20 years ago, is that there's not very many people paying attention to it relative to the greater market, you know, and, you know, I'm sure if you go to a cocktail party this weekend, you know, people can tell you right right away, you know, how much the S&P is up in the last couple of months and how much their portfolio is up. They wouldn't be able to tell you how much gold or silver or mining stocks are up since March. So um, I guess this is to sort of lead in about where I think the market's going, you know, with we've had a good run over the last two months, two plus months in the sector. Um, and so it's, you know, it, it feels like it's kind of sluggish going sideways right now. And for sure, that's the case. I mean, there's going to be there's going to be heavy resistance at 1900 on gold. And we're seeing that right now. Um, and there's going to be heavy resistance for silver at 28. And we're seeing that right now. Um, but part of that is just kind of working off a, a, a technically overbought condition. And I'm not a big technical analyst. Um, and I don't advocate investing based on it, but you have to pay attention to it. I mean, um, if, if gold and silver and the mining stocks have had a big run recently, 
I wouldn't recommend plowing in with half your net worth and, you know, wait for the sector to consolidate or pull back. So you can um, kind of, so, so you're not chasing it, you know? And, and so um, what I think will probably happen is we'll probably grind sideways for a few weeks. Um, you know, it'll, and I think gold will be volatile, you know, above and below 1900. <clears throat> And I think the mining stocks, which have been pretty sluggish this week, even though, you know, gold made a, made a run this week at 1900, a quiet run. Um, and, and silver was over 28 for a while. And it looked like it might have been heading to 29. So you would have thought, geez, my mining stock should be flying. Well, they've been sluggish. Well, they're digesting a 30 percent gain over the last two months. Right. And so I, I think once we kind of work through this consolidation period and, and people realize that inflation is not transitory. And that the Fed's going to continue printing a lot of money and the government's going to continue with a huge amount of deficit spending. I, I think we're going to have a, a, a relatively good move in the precious metal sector between now and, and Labor Day. And again, I don't want to put price targets out there. I just I do think that, um, you know, we're going into the beginning of the summer. I think by the end of the summer, we'll be, you know, considerably higher than where we are right now. And are you of the view that? Other things people invest in, such as the general equities, we have to see that turnover so that they would then desire to move into the precious metals to protect their uh, purchasing power. You know, and that brings up a good point because, you know, any kind of forecast for the sector, you have to acknowledge that at least over the short term, if there's a stock market accident, and and there very well could be given the nosebleed valuations and the and the mania that's been going on for the last few years in the stock market. If there is a stock market accident, like we saw in in February and March of 2020, it's going to take everything down with it temporarily, right? I mean, even even the precious metal sector got hammered back then, but the precious metal sector started moving higher before the before the general stock market did the general stock market didn't start moving higher until Powell promised you know injecting a few trillion dollars into the financial system and and that's what got the general stock market moving the mining stocks and the precious metals were moving ahead of that and i think you know if we have a stock market accident this summer we'll see a similar dynamic where everything is i mean you know it's just technical hedge funds are levered up the wazoo right now and when when this market starts, the general stock market starts heading south, they sell everything. They have to or they're going to get margin calls because they're on leverage. Um, and that's that's part of the dynamic that takes everything down. You got, you know, um, scared investors, et cetera. But if that does happen, you know, make sure you have plenty, you know, keep plenty of cash on hand right now just because of uncertainty over the markets in general. And if we do get that stock market accident, back up the dump truck and, and buy your favorite mining stocks go buy some some physical gold and silver. That's what I would recommend. So what we I will say that the stock market will have a will reach a point if that happens where the stock market could keep going lower but the precious metal sector will start to move a lot higher and we saw that in 2008 at the end of October the stock market had already gone down quite a bit as had the precious metals but at the end of October, gold and silver started taking off. At the beginning of November, the mining stocks started taking off while the S&P continued going south. The S&P didn't bottom until March of 2009. And again, it was Fed money printing that saved the day. But the Huey index, the Amex Gold Bugs index, doubled from early November to December 31st, 2008. And I think that's 
probably the scenario that I think is most likely to play out if we do get that stock market accident. Otherwise, you know, the sector is going to continue moving higher um, along with the general stock market and it'll outperform it like it has over the last two months. Torque Resources is an exploration company establishing a portfolio of premier copper gold early stage projects in Chile. Torque's management and technical teams have a strong track record of raising capital, discovery, and monetization of exploration successes. The company's Margarita Copper Gold project is located within the prolific coastal Cordillera Belt in Chile, which hosts some of the world's largest and most profitable copper mines. The Margarita project possesses excellent discovery potential for a major copper discovery due to the strength of the alterations system, large-scale magnetic targets, and the presence of copper oxide mineralization. Drilling is anticipated to begin in Q3 of this year. Torque trades in Canada under TORQ and on the OTC under TRBMF. To learn more, go to TorqueResources.com. That's TorqueResources.com. I'm just going to hand it over to you. You know, listeners like hearing the ideas, investing ideas you're willing to share. So the floor is yours. I might interject with some questions, but where have you been seeing value? Well, that's a great question. Um, And I want to preface this by saying that this is a new idea for me and it's a new idea for my subscribers. And my latest mining stock journal just went out yesterday. And I normally try to embargo a new idea for, you know, at least a few weeks, if not longer so that my subscribers have a chance to digest the presentation and decide whether they want to invest or not. Um, But it's getting harder and harder, as you know, to find new ideas that people haven't already jumped on already. And this this is one of those very early stage ideas. Um, When I spoke to um, the guy who was one of the co-founders and a director of the company a couple of days ago, he said, oh, <laughs> I was surprised to get your email. I'm not getting, you know, I don't get very many new new uh, investor inquiries, you know, because they're not out marketing their, their company yet. They, they're still working on getting their maiden drilling program going. And the way I found the idea is um, I've been covering and investing in and recommending new gold for about 18, I guess maybe 18 months. Um, it was when new gold took a big hit from like, I don't know, 450 down to two bucks or something. And not two bucks, um, under under a dollar. I was thinking of Fortuna, um, which I also cover. Um, but with, with the mid caps and smaller cap producers, when I see a big hit like that, that's when I start taking a look at those. And so that's how I started taking a look at New Gold. And um, when I was reading through their earnings call transcript, last week or 10 days ago, whatever it was, um, I happened to notice that they had mentioned that they had made investments in three uh, three companies. One, one of them was this company, Angus Gold. Um, and that's how I found the idea. And I, I, I went to the website and I was like, oh, I like this idea. So, and what was interesting is there was only one analyst who asked a couple of questions on the conference call. So I'm like, no one's going to see this because there's no one on this conference call. So, so um, anyway, I started taking a look at it and just in a nutshell. Um, Dave, could you give the ticker just so, because sometimes we get that in the comments. What's the ticker? Oh yeah, sure. Um, it's the, the OTC ticker is ANGVF and the uh, TSX venture ticker is GUS, G-U-S. Thank you. 
So, um, and just in a nutshell, uh, they've got um, they've consolidated the second largest land holding in in a gold camp in in, in Ontario called the Wawa Camp, and that's where West Dome has its two operating mines, and also Alamos Alamos Gold's Island Mine is there. Um, I believe Barrick and Newmont also have operating mines there. And then there's, you know, a handful of companies that have, you know, gold deposits that they're advancing there. So um, it's it's a highly, highly prospective and, and prolific gold camp. Um, and it's, you know, the, the, the grades <clears throat> for the mines that are operating, it's, 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 it's considered high grade for the type of mines that they are. Um, so what I like about this company is, First of all, I like their land package. I like where it is. It's 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 got good DNA. Now that doesn't mean that they're going to necessarily make a discovery. It was uh, part of the part of the property was that they've consolidated was explored in the early two thousands. There was a company named Trelawney Resources. I don't know if you remember them. Another company I think is called Metal Corp. I can't remember them. They might be private. And they had done some drilling. And there's there's a small resource on on part of the property, and it's it's pretty good grades. And so what the game plan is, is, is this is um, a group of, of mining company executives who um, managed, were able to reach out to the private landholders and consolidate this land. And uh, they're getting ready to drill on it. They've, they've just raised between, uh, well, New Gold bought 10% of it. So between New Gold and between a financing they did last summer, they've got about 5 million Canadian that they're going to pour into the ground. It's got extremely low overhead. Um, and one of the things I really like about it is it's got a very small, uh, uh, amount of shares, a very tight capital structure. So, um, they've, it's something like 30, 34 million shares or 35 million fully diluted. There's like one and a half million worth of, of stock options that insiders own. Um, and then the rest are just primary shares and they're trying to avoid period doing financings that require warrants to get done. And, and I talked about it um, uh, with the guy I spoke to. Um, and <clears throat> insiders own almost 50% of it. So insiders own almost 50%. So, um, you know, your, your, uh, your interests are very heavily aligned with insiders and New Gold owns 10% of it. And I don't know that New Gold is necessarily the exit strategy, but it's clearly... New Gold saw an opportunity that they thought was had high potential upside. Um, they're going to start drilling. I believe they're in the process of, of uh, securing a rig, um, and they're 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 waiting to get their permits issued. And and um, ideally, the drilling will start at the end of June. And they wanted they're going to do a complete. You know, the the first part of their drill program. They're going to wait until all the assays are back and then they'll release the assays. So you probably won't, not necessarily going to be a news catalyst that'll move this stock until October or November. And so and now I Dave, think- Dave, on that note, something I'm always asking exploration companies is how good is your relationship with the assay labs? Because so many companies are not meeting stated expectation and it's not their fault. It's the assay labs are so backed up and the COVID protocols of six feet apart can't have as many people working at the same time. I mean, what's the situation here on that? We talked about that. And he said, um, he said, yeah, he said that, um, you know, the assay labs are, are backed up up there, but it's, the, it's starting to clear up. 
Um, but they've already built 10 to 12 weeks into their expectations for getting the assays back. And they'll start, they're going to start turning in the assays as soon as they, you know, have the core samples or the drill samples prepared to send to the lab. So, I mean, they start drilling at the end of June, they'll start sending samples probably by, I don't know, the end of July, whatever. So um, I, I feel pretty confident that, you know, we'll see assays that, We'll hear, we'll hear the results of this first part of their drill program um, in October, November. And he, he was careful to case it October, November, not, oh, well, you know, mid-October. So they, they've built room in for all of this. So, um, and I think, you know, if it's, if it's an idea that you look at and, and you're in, one thing I'll mention is that um, it's, it's not real liquid right now. I mean, if you have access to trading on the TSX, it's a little more liquid. So I, I wouldn't go out and, and start trying to buy a big position all at once. It's something that um, I think you need to accumulate slowly over time. I have some in my fund and um, I'm going to buy some personally after my uh, subscribers have had a chance to, to um, buy shares. Um, but this is one of those things um, that, again, and there's no guarantee that they're going to make a discovery. Who knows? You know, they, they could go through this drill program and this is a maiden drill program. They might not find anything. You know, they'll certainly get information that will help them follow up on this drill program if they don't find anything that tells them where to stick the next drill holes so that they can find something. Um, there's a there's a portion of the property that's called a banded iron formation. And we talked about that. And, you know, most people would just associate that with iron mining. Um, but some of the bigger gold mines in the world come from banded iron formation, gold deposits. And so part of their property is banded iron formation. It hasn't been drilled yet, but um, he said Trelawney uh, took some grab samples in the mid early 2000s, the middle part of the early 2000s. And, um, and again, grab samples don't necessarily mean anything, but there was, you know, they averaged 10 to 15 grams per ton of mineral of gold mineralization. So um, they're going to, when they're done with the first part of their drill program, they'll start putting some holes in the banded iron formation, I think this fall. And, um, you know, that's the type of thing where if they make a discovery, the stock could go up two to three times very quickly just because of what it means if they do have something meaningful in, in a banded iron formation. So. Um, and what's your time frame that you've given them to succeed? Like when you buy a stock like Angus Gold, what's your expectation for holding it? I mean, this is very early stage and it's probably not going to be one of those ones that you buy and gets heavily promoted by the usual promoters. And, and you know, Eric Sprott comes along and buys a small amount and the stock goes crazy. I don't think that's what this and they don't that's not what their intent is with this. So, um one of the things that I liked about them is is they they seem to be more focused on making it. I mean, they own half of the shares. They want to make a discovery and get rich off of it. They don't. They're not focused on spending money on promotion and GNA. I mean, their GNA, their monthly GNA is ridiculously low. They want all the money that they have right now to go into the ground. Um, so you know, I mean, I think you got to give a project an idea like this at least two rounds of drilling. So like this drill program go, starts, say they start drilling at the end of June and it goes for about 12 months. Um, they may make a discovery. They may not, but they'll they'll probably have to raise some more money after that. And they'll do another round of drilling. And, and you know, sometimes it takes a long 
West Dome, it took them, I think, 10 years before they finally made a discovery. And it was a massive discovery, obviously. So um, this one, <clears throat> again, I, I, I would just, if you're going to own it, keep in mind that, you know, it's you might lose all your money if they hit dusters. Um, so, you know, I, I'll have a small position in my personal account, and I've got a very, very underweighted position in my fund. And, you know, I'll add to that after I see the drill assay results this fall. Um, you know, if the stock gets hammered because of the general market, I might add a little more between then and now. But this is one of those things where it's it's um, it could be like watching popcorn pop, you know, and, and you know, the, the, all the most of the kernels may have popped and you're waiting for the rest of the kernels to pop. It may take a while for this this kernel to pop if there is something to be found there. So when you invest in this, I think you got to give it at least a year. And that's kind of your approach, isn't it? Where you take a starter position when the drills are turning. And then if you like what you see, you add to it after that. Yes, that's correct. And oftentimes, you know, after two or three years, you know, I'll, I'll throw up my hands, wave the white flag. And I, you know, I inform my subscribers, Hey, I'm just not seeing the progress I want to see with this. I'm, you know, I'll continue to update the name, but I'm out of it. My fund's not in it anymore. And um, here's why, you know, I think there might be better opportunities out there. So, and that, you know, that happens. Hopefully it doesn't happen very often. I think, I think most of my ideas usually um, perform at least in line with the sector. And then I've had, you know, some pretty big home runs. So this one feels again, too early to say for sure. This one feels like it could be a home run. Well, thank you for sharing that, Dave. Is there anything you wanted to share on that before we move on to the next one? Um, you know, again, I, I would just probably emphasize, um, don't go, if you're going to buy the stock, you know, just try and buy it slowly because it's not real liquid. And if, um, I mean, you and I were looking at the volume earlier, I mean, even on, you know, even on days where there's a lot of activity in it, it's 20,000 shares in, you know, on, on the U.S. ticker. So it's, it's a little more liquid on the TSX ticker. but um, Limit orders always, right, with these stocks? Always limit orders. Well, I, I usually don't always do that. But yeah, that's what I would recommend. Yeah. <laughs> for, for listeners, use a limit order. Set your price that you, you're willing to buy it at and put that in. Don't, do not and do a market keep order. keep in mind, you know, if, if, you, if you buy a stock like this, you just your order alone could move the market a little bit higher and, and you might get done, you know, buying what you want to buy. And then all of a sudden the stock drops back 5% or whatever that happened to me the other day. You know, I just wanted to put on a position and, and not worry about, you know, my average cost yet. And it's, it's below what I paid for it right now, but you know, whatever, you know, this is one of those stocks where you're not going to be five or 10 cents right. We're, you know, it's, it's a binomial outcome. It's either not going to work or it's going to be a five to 10 bagger. And that's something new investors should learn. Like this is not a proxy for the gold price, right? Like you said, the value creation is going to be determined by the drill bit, not by the day-to-day -day exactly. movements of the gold price. And some new investors I've learned don't realize that. That's exactly right. I mean, I get emails from subscribers, you know, should I put in a mid-market order or, you know, and it's like with an illiquid, 15 cent stock. I'm like, listen, if you want to own it, just go buy it with a market order. If you end up paying 17 cents and it's offered at 15 cents a day later, so what? We're not two cents smart on this idea. It either goes to zero or it goes to a buck. <laughs> yep. 
Well, a stock that you've mentioned several times over the years on my show and a company that's a past sponsor is U.S. Gold Corp. Since you cover this one, can you give us your updated thoughts here? Yes. Um, over, you know, I've been following it since and investing in it since early 2018, I believe. I started looking at it in 2017 um, and I was friendly with the old um, head geologist, Dave Matthewson. And um, between now and then, there's been a, a, a transformation in management, and they brought in some guys who are um, mine operators and know how to build mines. And so they're the Copper King project, which they've renamed CK Gold because it's you know where we are with the price of gold now. It's it's uh, the majority of the mineralization is gold and not copper, um, and. The again, these numbers are off the top of my head, but um, you're looking at a project now where and and the um, CEO that's that's in there now, a guy named George B. Really, really nice guy. I've spoken to him on the phone a few times. I've had some Zoom conferences with him. Um, he, he knows how to take a project from where copper or CK gold is now into an operating mine, and the process from from getting from here to there is relatively simple. From you know, in terms of what it takes to build a mine, and he he knew of this project and really liked it when he was at a, a former company. He's been at a few different companies, uh, and he had actually wanted one of the companies he was with to buy it, but it was too small for him. Um, and, well, now it's kind of the project itself has been enlarged, and um, this they have a PF PFS out. Is it PFS? A PEA. They're working on a PFS that'll. It's almost. It'll be so extensive, it'll almost be bankable, but they'll have to convert it to a feasibility study. But um, the, the PEA, if you run it under updated gold and copper numbers, I mean, the net present value of it is something like, just again, off the top of my head, say $350 million. And, and the market cap of the stock right now is, is just under $100 million. Um, so, you know, his, you know, in general and on average, you would expect that um, advancing junior projects should trade the stock of those, the, the stock price of the company should trade at a market cap that's maybe worth 50% of the PEA. So this one's a third of the PEA right now. Um, and they're, they're going to release uh, at, at some point in the next few months, I think they'll release a uh, a revised resource estimate and the resource estimate might, they found silver in the mineralization and it may or may not include the silver mineralization, but that's, that's an added bonus for this property. Um, and if everything goes according to plan, I believe they should have an operational mine by the end of 2023 or maybe mid 2024, something like that. I mean, all the pieces are there for them to put this together. They just have to go through the permitting process and the financing process, and they need to um, put a, a feasibility study out. But the feasibility, the time between the PFS and the feasibility study will be really brief because of all the work that they're they're putting into the PFS. So, um, and that's just their Copper King project. They've got, and that's in Wyoming. If we didn't say that, two hours. That's in Wyoming. Yeah, two yeah, hours north of that. you from Denver, right? That is correct. Yeah. Um, and then they've got two highly prospective projects in Nevada. One's in the Cortez Trend, Keystone. And that project in and of itself has potential to be a company maker. And they're going to, um, they just put out their, their drill plans for the summer for that. 
And then there's another, another project called Maggie Creek. And that also in and of itself has potential to be a company maker. And that's their two Nevada properties. And then uh, they merged with a company uh, that um, gave them a, co- a project called the Chalice Project. It's in Idaho. It's a gold project. And I spoke extensively with the guy who um, came on board to U.S. Gold, who owned the company that owned this project. And this thing also, I mean, it, it, it sounds like, you know, it has the potential to be a million plus ounce gold ounce uh, property project um, of, you know, very good grades. I mean, you know, the, the gold grades we're seeing coming out of Idaho properties is, 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 is good relative to what you're seeing in Nevada. So um, you've got three potential projects, two of which could be company makers. I don't, I don't, well, I mean, if, if Chalice, you know, ends up with a million ounces and it's producing 80, 80,000 ounces a year, I mean, that in and of itself is worth a couple hundred million in this market, right? And if the price of gold goes higher, it's worth even more. So um, as with Angus, uh, U.S. gold has an incredibly tight share structure, 8 million shares, fully diluted, outstanding. On the NASDAQ, we should note, USAU. On the NASDAQ, that's right. There's not not a Canadian listing, USAU. And um, this is one of those things where if, if one of the drill programs this summer produces a discovery, I mean, the stock could really take off. Yep. And again, my listeners, my faithful listeners will know Ed Carr is formerly, he was one of the founders. He's no longer at the helm, but he was a recent guest, just so you know, about a month ago. Well, he's still, he, he's an he, advisor, I he, think, right? He shed his executive chairman title yeah. because he, he lives in, in Switzerland and he, he was tired of flying back and forth all the time. But my understanding is, is that he's still, I mean, he's direct, he's basically doing the same thing he was doing as executive chairman, but I guess he feels less obligated to do as much as he was doing, but he's still, I know for a fact, he's still working his tail off because every time I email him, I get an email back right away. So um, yeah, that, that was just kind of a, a, a change in or dropping the title. That was just a formality. He's still, he's still working his butt off on this thing. Yep. Well, want to move on to the next one, Dave? What else do you have for us? Uh, isn't that enough? Yeah, we no. can do one more. One more. <laughs> so there was a name that I mentioned in our last uh, podcast, Heliostar. Yeah. And um, so what Heliostar is, is, is it's, it's got a, um, a gold project in Alaska called Unga. It has a, an existing resource of, I don't know, 300 and 80,000 ounces. I don't think it's a, a compliant resource, but, uh, you know, it may be, but I don't think it is. Um, but it's 384,000 ounces at 13.8 grams per ton. That's the existing resource. And <clears throat> the guy who um, put Heliostar together, a guy named Charles Funk, and your audience probably knows him from Visla Silver. He was um, one of the geologists there that was involved in, in their discovery. And this opportunity came up and he's still on the board at, at, uh, at Visla, but he jumped to this because he thought that this was, um, he liked the prospective upside of, of Heliostar and, and the UNGA project. Um, they're going to start drilling on it. They just raised money. And he, he thinks, you know, again, and this is high in the sky guesstimates, but it's an educated guess. He thinks there's a real possibility that 
um, this this project. It was mined historically by pickaxe miners up there. So, um, you know, there, there, there's definitely gold ore to be found. He thinks maybe it has potential to do one to two million ounces of resource. Um, but then the the equity kicker, I guess, if you will, on this is they've got three projects down in Mexico that are that are silver slash base metal projects. Um, and one of the properties and these, these are they're still, you know, they're, they're very early stage. And, and Charles, I guess, I think he's. I think he's down there. Rob Gray told me, I think he's down there until the end of this month, um, you know, scouting it out and figuring out, you know, what, you know, how they, what their next steps are to advance these projects. Um, one of them is next to a, a property that uh, Silvercrest Metals bought in Sonora. And it's, it's a, um, it's a highly prospective silver silver slash polymetallic district and the thinking is is once silvercrest metals starts drilling this project if they like what they see you know they might make an offer for this property that heliostar has um so you basically have the unga project gold project in alaska with an existing resource that that could be you know three to six times larger than than the current resource and that that would give you a huge upside here and then you've got these three silver projects. Each each one could be a company maker down the road. So um, this one also, it's 42 million shares, fully diluted, outstanding. Market cap is, you know, I think as of today, it's about 37 million US. And insiders own 21%. Eric, Eric Sprott, which I usually, I don't like to throw that out there as a as clickbait to get people to look at an idea, but he does own 6% of the stock. I mean, that's not why I invested in it. And I don't necessarily advocate investing in a company just because Eric Sprott does. He's he's investing in everything. And if I had his bankroll, I'd be doing the same thing too, right? He's playing the numbers. It's a lottery. When you when you invest in juniors, it's a lottery. So he's 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 increasing his chances of of a lot of home runs by investing in a lot of different names. So and this just happens to be one of them. Excellent. All right. Well, Dave, uh, give us your information for the Mining Stock Journal for listeners that want your ideas before they come across in a podcast like this. <laughs> I apologize to my subscribers. I normally wait longer, but I'm just you gave I'm excited trading. about this idea. And I wanted out there that I was one of the early discoverers of this idea. I know I'm not the only one. Yep. Um, you gave but, him one uh, trading day, though, right here. You gave <laughs> exactly. him at least a trading day. Normally, you give him what, a month or something before you'll talk about it publicly? At least two to three weeks. Yeah. So, um, and sometimes there's a, there's names that I haven't I've never mentioned that are in my newsletter. So, um, you know, it's I don't I don't mention them all. I just I, this one I can kind of smell that I, you know, and again that it could end up being a complete duster. But to me, it just smells like it. It has all the smell and feel of something with with huge upside. So. Um, but my website's investmentresearchdynamics.com. And at the top, there's a, a link you can click on and get more information about my mining stock journal. Excellent. And I will put a link to that in the show notes. And as always, Dave, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your insights. Thanks for having me, Bill. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks.
the mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or a hundred thousand dollars, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility—certainly not the certainty—but the possibility of ten-for-one returns, as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks, and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector, and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well, or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident, and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because、um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met, you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors, and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature, and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.